Welcome to another episode of the TR Hoops Podcast by your host, Jeremy Shaheen. I just wanted to note before I uh, post this, I recorded most of this on Tuesday night leading up to the NCAA tournament. Uh, It's now Wednesday when I'm releasing it, but major breaking news. Uh, I talk about it a little bit in the podcast, but uh, this is official that LJ Cryer for Baylor uh, will not be with, uh, not be able to play this weekend for Baylor. Uh, their leading scorer um, and, and their big man Jonathan Tuchacha is out as well. Um, so that's two of their best players are going to be out, um, and you know there's a real opportunity for them to not be able to make it to the second weekend into the Sweet 16. Um, a, a golden, a golden ticket, a golden opportunity for. Uh, either Marquette or Carolina, uh, who I think will win that first game to move on to the Sweet 16 without L.J. Cryer. In this episode, I'm going to talk about Duke and UNC's first game in the NCAA tournament, uh, as well as what their next game could be like if they do potentially win. Uh, but, you know, you can't look ahead in this tournament. Obviously, if you do, you get knocked out quick. Um, you know, this tournament's not for the faint-hearted, but... I'll talk about that as well, as well as the upsets I'm going to have in the first round on Thursday and Friday, Uh, a couple of the craziest, most wild days in sports. Uh, The only thing that is certain is that it will be crazy, and there always is upsets, so we know something's going to happen that that we didn't think would happen uh, originally. And I'm also going to talk about my Final Four picks uh, for now and and, uh, what I think will happen uh, as far as who wins the national championship in April. So first of all, I kind of want to talk about what I think makes a really good team in March and into, you know, if you're lucky enough to get into April. Um, you know, first of all, I think experience always helps. We've only seen two one-and-done teams, mostly led, even those teams, the Kentucky team uh, with Anthony Davis, but they did have Darius Miller, and uh, they had, you know, a few Michael kidd Gilt. Kid Gilchrist, freshman, um, and then Duke with Tyus Jones, Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, but they had Emil Jefferson as a junior, they had Matt Jones as a junior, and they had Quinn Cook, the senior, as a junior, uh, excuse me, as a senior. Um, and, you know, even those teams that were led by one and Duns, you know, they had experience on there to help them out and navigate those waters uh, with tough times. Um, but if you do go back, you know, I think obviously experience, like I said, but uh, I think good guard play is is one of the biggest things that can win, one of the best traits to have in March. Uh, you look at just previous years, I mean, Baylor last year with Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, I mean, those two controlled the game offensively and defensively. Uh, you go back to Virginia, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, uh, those guys just such, a, you know, they controlled the pace. Uh, smart basketball players, you go back to Villanova 2018, I mean, they had uh, Ryan Archidiakono. He's in the NBA still. Such a great point guard. And uh, they have someone similar to him, Colin Gillespie. I call him the Ryan Archidiakono 2.0. I mean, uh, just great guard play. You know, even North Carolina with Joel Berry and Marcus Page, uh, older guys that had been through the ringer, so to speak. Um, Back to Villanova, Jalen Brunson they had. Uh, 2016, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Duke 2015, they had Quinn Cook, the senior, but Tyus Jones, who I always said at 18-year-old, he play, as an 18-year-old, he played like an NBA veteran. Um, and, you know, 
all of these teams that have won in the past have great guard play. So uh, that's something that when you're picking teams and choosing teams, if you see a team that has, you know, an amazing guard that can control the game and, and can score and can facilitate and pass and, um, you know, it's just a, a gamer, uh, I would lean towards picking that team over a team with, you know, maybe a bunch of talent who doesn't have a, a much guard play or, um, you know, so that, that would be my two top things to look for in these teams, the experience they have and the guard play uh, that they do have. Now I'm going to start with Carolina and their matchup, a picture-perfect matchup for Carolina um, and what they want to do. And uh, the game's going to be in Fort Worth, um, Texas, 4.30 on Thursday afternoon. And uh, this Marquette team, I mean, I've talked about them a little bit in my previous podcast when I talked about my the top coaches in the country I gave one of those spots to Shaka Smart, and I, I thought he would do a really good job at Marquette, but I didn't think it would be this quick that he would get into the NCAA tournament. I mean, like I had said in that previous podcast, they brought back three players from last year. Uh, they got a bunch of transfers and, and freshmen. They're you know one of the youngest teams in the entire country, uh, 349th in experience out of 355. And, uh, you know, they just a lot of freshmen. A lot of guys who have never played in the NCAA tournament before. Um, and then you look at Carolina, where every single player that they play in a game has played in the NCAA tournament. They have that experience, um, you know, and, and that pays dividends. It really does. Um, and I think there's two key matchups in this game with the players. Um, and it doesn't include Baycott. I think he's going to, you know, that's another subject where, uh, I'll get into that first, that, you know, Baycott is, Marquette's very small, and Baycott's going to have a field day, I believe. I mean, that could, he could be up for a 25-20 and 20 type of game where he just dominates like he has all year, but they have nobody to stop him, so they're probably going to have to double-team him, um, and he'll be able to find open shooters uh, to hit down, you know, hit the three. Uh, so they'll get look, good looks, I would expect. Um, and Marquette is very up-tempo. They play as fast as anybody in the country. They're fifth in pace in the country, so they play as quick as anybody. Um, so they want to get up and they want to run. And, you know, something that happens in, in the NCAA tournament is the game becomes a little bit slower. It becomes a little bit more of a half-court game. So we'll see if that happens in this game with Carolina, who likes to run as well, and Marquette, uh, who, who just loves to get out and try to score quick points. Um, but like I said, these two matchups with the players I'm looking at is Leaky Black, one of the most, uh, the best defenders in the country. I would say he's an elite defender, uh, quick, long arms, athletic, smart. Uh, he doesn't jump for ball fakes. He's, he's done a great job on Paulo Bancaro this year from Duke, AJ Griffin, among many other players that he's, uh, just done a great job on. And I think he's one of the best defenders in the country. He's going to be up against... Justin Lewis, who's averaging 17 points a game. Uh, he's a freshman for Marquette, really good talent, um, but he is a freshman. He's never been in this position before in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I look at that matchup of, of being, um, you know, a big matchup. And then I also look at Caleb Love versus uh, Daryl Morsell, who transferred from Maryland. He won... Um, he won uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year last year uh, when he was at Maryland. He's a very good defender. 
Um, that, that will be a, a key matchup with Caleb Love and Daryl Morsel. They're both NBA prospects. Um, and, and something to note of Caleb Love is he's 45% shooting this year off the catch and shoot, uh, meaning without dribbling the ball when he has it. He, he shoots and he shoots 45%, which is a heck of a number. Um, and, and that just shows to what Hubert uh, and the staff have been doing lately with uh, R.J. Davis and having him more as that primary ball handler. Uh, you know, obviously Caleb Love is still a ball handler as well, but they're putting the ball a little bit more in R.J.'s hands for him to facilitate and, and find guys. And Caleb Love, like I said, he's 45% with the catch and shoot. So um, if you're not on him, he's going he's gonna to hit that three and hit those shots. And uh, that's what Carolina is going to be looking for Thursday afternoon. But I think ultimately this game just comes down to uh, – you know, Carolina and their experience and, and Marquette's inability to be able to guard or be able to guard and, and contain and handle Armando Baycott, uh, who's, you know, one of the best players in the country, one of the best big men in the country. I think he's going to have a, a great game, a field day, and dominate this game. And I think Leaky Black's going to be able to contain Justin Lewis. And I don't think the Marquette uh, other guys are going to be able to step up enough for them to be able to hang around with Carolina and keep it close. Um, so I do think Carolina comes out of that one. And then if they do win that game, uh, which is a good matchup for them, they play Saturday, um, and, and that would be against Baylor, and that would be in Dallas-Fort Worth. That would be pretty much like a home game for Baylor. But as I've been saying uh, to some people, I know that if you're going to play one of the one seeds, it's going to be it's you would want it to be Baylor. Uh, they're 8-4 and four in their last 12 games. They're not really a one seed in my eyes uh, because they lost their best, the best, uh, one of the best defenders, the best big men defender in the country, who would ultimately be guarding Armando Baycott. That would have been, you know, a classic matchup. It's uh, Jonathan Tumachachua uh, for Baylor, who hurt his knee about a month ago, a few weeks ago, and had knee surgery, and uh, just a, a massive loss for that Baylor team. And Scott Drew, the head coach. Um, tough for them. Also, they've been without our LJ Cryer, who's their leading scorer since February 16th. They've been without him. So they've got a couple key injuries here, and I'm not sure if LJ Cryer is going to play. That's going to be, uh, I know he didn't play in the Big uh, the Big 12 tournament, um, and it's questionable. I mean, I'd, I'd kind of be a little surprised if he did play um, in, in their first game or second game because uh, it seems like this injury is, is nagging for him, and um, we'll see if he goes. I mean, Baylor, uh, we know what they did last year, winning it all, but uh, and they will have home base. I mean, they'll be in Fort Worth, so it will be like a home game, like I mentioned earlier, but, you know, they're going to have their hands full with Carolina. Um, there's no doubt about that. I mean, without Jonathan Tumachachua, um, Baycott's going to be able to have his way, I think. I mean, Scott Drew's going to come up with a great game plan. Um, as he's one of the best coaches in the country. Um, so that, that game right here is really hard for me to pick. I mean, I think UNC, um, if, if they would have drawn it up going into Selection Sunday, Baylor would have been the one that they wanted to get stuck with, um, so to speak. And I think they can beat that team, especially with the injuries they have. Like I said, 8-4 and four in their last 12 games. Um, they're not that team that they were a month or two ago that, you know, when they were fully healthy and, and really going. I uh, would love to see the matchup with Matthew Meyer, the NBA prospect for Baylor, uh, him against Brady Manick. That would be a lot of fun. I know Brady Manick is 
played a lot of games against Baylor when he was in the Big 12 playing for Oklahoma for four years. So, you know, he'll have a little experience against how they play and how um, that team, you know, it operates. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think Carolina can knock these guys off. I really do. And, uh, you know, it could come down to the guard play if L.J. Cryer can't play in that game. I mean, that's a massive, massive loss for Baylor against uh, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, two of the better guards in the ACC and two really good guards in the country. Um, and we'll see if Baylor's defense can can hold up without Jonathan Tumachachua against one of the best big men in the country. Like I've said, Armando Baycott, who's just a load. He's, he's huge and got great touch around the basket, um, and he'll be hungry to, to get to Sweet 16 um, and, 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 you know, beating Baylor. I'm going to hold off on predicting uh, what could happen in the Sweet 16 for Carolina as I'll come out with another podcast if, if either either of these teams can make it um, through the first weekend. Uh, but, you know, getting into Duke now, um, you know, what a week it's been for them. Uh, lose at home against Carolina about a week ago Saturday. And on the next Saturday, get beat in a championship game, an ACC championship game against Virginia Tech and get beat pretty handedly um, against a really good Virginia Tech team that needed that game. But, you know, anytime you play in a championship game, you have a special opportunity at hand, and they didn't go grasp it. Um, Duke has been 206th in the country defensively since March. Uh, They were a top 25 defensive team up until then, so they've dropped in just March over 180 spots. which is just astonishing. I mean, it's it's baffling. Um, but a lot of that, I think, is due to the inability of the coaching staff uh, to, to make changes. I mean, you can put so much on the players. Their effort has not – it wasn't as high as Virginia Tech's. It sure didn't look like it. They didn't play well against Syracuse. Uh, against Syracuse, they gave up 13 threes. They shot 42% against Duke from the three. That's without Buddy Beheim, one of the better players in the ACC um, and Duke knew going into that game that they would have to hit a, that Syracuse would have to hit a ton of threes to have a chance. And, and, you know, they let them do it. And then against Miami, they hit eight of 21, 38%. And then against Virginia Tech in the ACC championship, uh, they gave up 45% from the three, 10 of 22. Um, and Duke's just, you know, their strategy is, is interesting. I mean, they're not making any changes, no adjustments throughout the game. Uh, their guards are, you know, they're bringing up these teams that they're playing are, are getting Mark Williams, uh, the seven-footer, in a ball screen, and Duke switching everything. So they got Mark, you know, you got Mark Williams on a small guard that where he can just pull up from three, or he can run, you know, run by him for a layup or a kick out. Um, and Duke's just, you know, they're playing that uh, that defense where they're just very aggressive in the passing lane. So. Teams that are really good at cutting and uh, make crisp passes, smart players, uh, just like Virginia Tech, um, Duke's going to have serious trouble with. And there's a team that they could potentially face in the second round that would, you know, be right that, that would, you know, would be right for them to to beat them in that that second game in Greenville if they can make it past uh, Cal State Fullerton. This Cal State Fullerton team getting into them, I mean, they're Duke got. Duke did not deserve the two seed. I think this has been talked about a lot, but Tennessee should have probably gotten that over them. All the numbers suggested that. 
Duke was lucky that they got the two seed because playing a 15 seed versus a 14 seed is actually a big deal. Uh, your percentages go way up when you uh, play a, a 15 seed rather than 14 seed and, and having trouble with that game. But they could still get beat. I mean, there's no telling what team we're going to see. You know, there's no reason to believe that this team is is coming together at the right time. They just haven't shown it. They played their five worst defensive games in the last six games. Um, you know, they're they're not they usually want to be in March, peaking at the right time, and they're you know descending at, at the wrong time. Um, but Cal State Fullerton, they're in the 140s offensively, efficiency efficiency wise. 160s defensively. Uh, this team is, you know, they weren't number one in their conference. They were number two uh, most of the season beyond Long Beach State. But they have six of seven. Uh, they play seven guys, and six of them are upperclassmen. Uh, a lot of senior players on that team. They're hungry. They're glad they got Duke. And, um, you know, they have nothing to lose. And, uh, you know, every game that's laced up could be Coach K's last. Uh, but this Cal, Cal State Fullerton team, I mean, they're not a great shooting team. The, the thing that I, looking up this team, that they love to get to the free throw line. So they're going to be aggressive in driving the basket, basketball. Uh, try to look for uh, mismatches with trying to get Mark Williams on smaller guys. They're not a, uh, they're not a big team. Uh, but I did see uh, EJ Onaseke. Uh, they're noted as their best player. He had 14 free throw attempts against Long Beach State. So he's playing aggressive. He's a, a really good rebounder. Um, and Duke's going to have to be careful without, you know, try to play without fouling. Uh, but also they have a guy named Damari Milstead who hit uh, five threes in their conference championship game to make the NCAA tournament. So they do have to, you know, guard these guys. Duke's obviously going to have a, a size advantage. Um, so they're going to have to, you know, not fall in love with the three like they have been. They're going to have to look down low for Mark Williams, Paulo, and try to dominate the paint. And, uh, you know, that would be, I think, their best chance of, having a chance of winning that game. Now, if Duke is lucky enough to be able to beat Cal State Fullerton, uh, then comes a team that I think has all the pieces to be able to take them out. Um, they will play Davidson or Michigan State. And you would usually think Michigan State, I mean, Michigan State beat the, the Zion team. Izzo took them out. Um, so you know he would be, you know, Izzo would be ready for Coach K. But I think this Davidson team is, is uh, they're seated at 10, but I think they're a top 25 team. One of the best offensive teams in the entire country. Uh, 11 off on offense, 8th and 3-point percentage. They're top 50 in all statistics, all stats offensively. Um, they're very good moving without the ball, cutting, passing. Um, just really smart basketball players. They play so well together. They're experienced. They have Bob McKillop, who's still at the helm. He's been there since a long time. Uh, he coached Stephen Curry there. Uh, they, he's had some really good teams. He's noted as one of the best coaches in the country. Um, and they have Hyunjung Lee from South Korea. He's kind of a do-it-all, a do-it-all six-seven. Um, he was on the Julius Irving uh, Award watch list, which is the small forwards in the in uh, the best small forwards in the country. Um, and then Luka Brajkovich, he was the A-10 player of the year, uh, shoots 65% from the field. Um, and then Foster Lawyer, who a lot of people may remember from Michigan State, they played Duke. Uh, back when Trey Jones was at Duke, I remember Foster Lawyer. He, he graduated and um, transferred to Davidson, so he's 
Uh, that's a storyline for him there playing against his old team, Michigan State, in that first game. But uh, I think if you're a Duke fan, you don't want to see Davidson. I mean, Michigan State's always tough. They're a great rebounding team every year. But that Davidson team offensively is, is scary, especially the way Duke is playing defensively. I mean, it may take Duke 90 points to have a chance to win that game against Davidson if they're not going to defend anybody. Um, and I see a lot of Virginia Tech in that Davidson team. Um, just, you know, very hard to prepare for. Duke would only have one day. And then Bob McKillop's team's older. They'll be ready to go. I mean, they're playing in Greenville and Charlotte's not very, that's where Davidson is and that's not very far. So they'll have some home base there. Um, so that's going to be tough for Duke. We'll see if Duke can get out of that. I mean, it would be uh, just the way they've played and to get out of that first weekend would be uh, huge for them. Um, and we'll see if they can turn it around a little bit. I mean, it's, it just seems since that Carolina game when they beat Duke at Coach K's last game, just they haven't been able to get out of that funk. And we'll see if they can uh, step up for the NCAA tournament. You know, but one thing I would say is I would be very surprised if Davidson were to lose this game against Michigan State. I mean, like I was saying, you look at their names and Michigan State, I mean, this Power 5 team, Tom Izzo, one of the great coaches, one of the great programs, but Davidson, this team, I mean, they're high-powered offense. They can score with any team in the country, so that would be a brutal matchup for Duke, I think, in that uh, second round if it were to happen. Um I'll do another podcast if Duke is able to, if these teams are able to get on to the, to the second weekend, uh, which would be a monumental success for each of them uh, because it's not easy. Each game can be your last, and uh, you never know what can happen in that 40-minute 40 40 minute time span as far as minutes go in the game. But, you know, I think Duke, if they are able to get on, you know, they, they're in a gauntlet uh, out west with Gonzaga. And actually, I think Texas Tech is, you know, we always talk about matchups being the key in these games um, in these brackets of, you know, who's matched up with who. It's all about matchups. Texas Tech would be a horrible matchup for Duke. That's one where you look at and go, that's the number one defensive team in the country. Uh, they just got dogs all over the court. They play, they have a ton of depth, uh, top 50 in the country in experience. They play, like I said, about 10 guys. Um, you know, also the coach K's never won a game in the Western region. Um, Bryson Williams, they got Kevin O'Banner who played on Oral Roberts, who made a, a run last year. Uh, they got a few transfers. Mark Adams, the coach at Texas tech has just done such a good job since Chris Beard left. Uh, I really think that team can compete for a national title. So, um, I'll get into that if it happens. Um, but you know, we'll see if Duke and, and Carolina are able to get by their first uh, game um, and, and go from there. I'm just looking here at my bracket and some of these teams that I think could make a run that, you know, not many people or uh, maybe not, not not many people, but the higher seeded teams. You know, I look at that Virginia Tech team and I hate to harp on it, but I just really like that team. I think they'll beat Chris Beard in Texas and I think they can beat Purdue. Uh, I think they can get Zach Eady and Williams, the two big guys for Purdue. Uh, Kevin Aluma and Justin Mutz can, uh, are very versatile and can play outside. And I think they'll, they'll get Zach Eady, uh, the 7-4 uh, center for Purdue, and they'll make him chase around the guards and the, the big guys. And I just see Virginia Tech, I mean, what I saw from them against Carolina 
and against Duke. I mean, they just looked like the better team in each game. It was no fluke. Um, they just looked like the aggressor. If they continue to play like that, I mean, I really can see this team competing against any team, um, even if they could make it against Kentucky. Now, Kentucky could have some work to do against that Murray State team that's 30-2. and two. Um, That would be a tough second-round game for Kentucky. Um, then looking at the other side of the bracket, a game here that I'm looking at could be a potential big-time upset is that Chattanooga-Illinois uh, game. Chattanooga has Sylvia D'Souza. A lot of people might remember him from Kansas. Uh, so he's played a lot of high-level D1 games. He left there. Um, he was actually in a, in a fight that was involved there during a game. Um, and, and he did leave, but he's their starting center. Good player, difference maker. Um, and Chattanooga, is, uh, they defend the three-point line really well. Uh, they hold teams to 30% from beyond the arc. And I think Illinois, I mean, they just haven't been the same team since they got back uh, Andre Corbello. Um, they do have, I mean, Kofi Coburn, he's, he's a dominant force down low. Uh, but then you look at Chattanooga, uh, Gene Baptiste, he's a really good three-point shooter. Malachi Smith, I watched a, a few games of their conference, uh, a couple games of their conference tournament uh, for the SOCON. And uh, I was impressed. I think they could give Illinois a real run for their money here. And then, um, you know, that Loyola-Chicago game against Ohio State is going to be... Uh, a lot of people have Loyola. I'm on the fence with that one. Um, you know, Ohio State lost last year in the first game. Uh, Loyola, I mean, they've made some runs. Sister Jean, I mean, what they've done uh, with Porter Moser when he was there, now he left Oklahoma, but they still have the same culture, same program, some of the same players. Um, and a lot of people have them winning that game. I just... I go back and forth. You know, I just love E.J. Liddell for Ohio State. I think he's one of the best players in the country, and I just, for some reason, keep coming back to he's not going to let them lose that game. Um, such a good player. And then they got Malachi Branham as well, a uh, great freshman. Um, Chris Holtman's one of the best coaches in the country. They're not playing very well, which is, you know, why I see many people leaning towards going with uh, Loyola and uh you know, Loyola has that Lucas Williamson, um, really good defender. He's their best player, uh, but they got a lot of good players. So um, going to be interesting one. I think it's going to be a real close game. You know, I know a lot of people are talking about the, uh, you know, a trendy pick is South Dakota State beating Providence in Buffalo. Uh, Providence has won a lot of close games, um, and but South Dakota State, I've seen a little bit of them. They're, you know, they may have the best player on the court with Baylor Shummerman, um, who shoots 48% from three. Um, and he's a, he, he distributes very well. He's, he's a key player for them. Um, but I believe Providence is going to put Justin Minai on him. He's an elite defender, 6'7". Um, I know a lot of people, like I said, have South Dakota State, but I'm just kind of leaning towards Providence. They're one of the most experienced teams in the country. And they've proven that in games that are close, they, they come out on top on a lot of those games. Uh, so if it can stay close, I think Providence, uh, with all their experience in the close games, will come out in a big way and they'll get that win. But, you know, wouldn't be shocked to see South Dakota State uh, win the game. They've only lost four times this season. And then I look as well at that Miami-USC game. I mean, that's going back and forth. I think if Miami can get by them and they play Auburn, I think Miami can really give Auburn some trouble. Uh, you look at Auburn, they may have the best center in the country in Walker Kessler, and they may have the best forward in the country in Jabari Smith, the freshman. 
Um, but their guard play is suspect, but I just don't know. I mean, KD Johnson, Wendell Green. Uh, KD Johnson's so tough. He had a horrible game his last game in the SEC tournament. And that guy's just so tough-minded. He plays with passion, emotion. I love that guy's game. I just uh, I just don't know. I think Miami could do kind of what they did to Duke in the way of, of spreading the court out. You know, they do have three 23-year-olds that are playing on their team. They're very old. They shoot the ball well, very versatile. They don't, you know, their big man, Vanderberg, he, he plays outside. He can shoot threes. So they could get Walker Kessler and force him into ball screens and space the court uh, so Walker's not just sitting down low and blocking shots all night. That's a game I'm really looking at maybe taking Miami. If they can get by USC, they could have a chance to beat Auburn. Um, you look at Wisconsin as well. I mean, I've been so high on them all year. Um, I just Johnny Davis's health is kind of in question right now. He's one of, if not the best player in the country. Um, and they play those games in Milwaukee. So Colgate's a really good team. As we saw them beat Syracuse. They've beaten some really good teams. Uh, oh, Syracuse is not a very good team. But to beat a high, a high major team, a, a Power 5 team, is a big deal for a team like Colgate. So they can compete with, with high major teams. Um, I just think that's a bad matchup for them. I like that Brad Davison on Wisconsin as well. I just And then it's in Milwaukee. So it's going to be kind of like a home game for them. Uh, you look at Iowa State, LSU. Iowa State started off the year really well. They have not been playing well at all, but LSU just got rid of their coach um, with allegations and, and, all, and everything. So they're going through that, which is going to be tough uh, for that team to, you know, they'll either go two ways. They'll either come together and play great or they're going to, you know, kind of fall apart like the season has for their coach. And, uh, you know, Iowa State could t- could run away with that one. So I don't, I don't really know what to expect there. I think I'm leaning towards Iowa State winning that game uh, since they have more, uh, they're more whole and, uh, you know, everything going on at LSU. I think that's going to be hard for the players to come over that, but you don't know. They could react in a different way. So when it comes down to it, you know, I, I it was tough to pick this. I went back and forth a lot. You know, I had sometimes maybe Carolina making the Final Four, upsetting Baylor, upsetting UCLA, upsetting, you know, if Carolina got into that game with Kentucky, you know, they got beat earlier in the year by 40. They'd have all the motivation to try to get back to the Final Four and beat Kentucky. But, you know, I just have to go with Kentucky. I think they've been one of the best teams the last two months in the country. Very consistent. They're healthy right now if, if – uh, Kellen Grady can get hot. That adds a whole other dimension. So I got Kentucky. I got Texas Tech. Um, I think Texas Tech is a tough matchup for the Zags um, at this time of the year. They already actually played, but I think Texas Tech, uh, the Zags actually beat them. But I just, I really like this Texas Tech team and their grit. You know, they're, you know they're going to bring it every game. They're going to compete. Not a great offensive team, but like I said, they are the number one defensive team. Um, and then I think Arizona will move on. Uh, their their point guard, their guard Kerr, is you know his health is in question. So you know I don't I don't know. Uh, it sounds like he's going to try to give it a go. He's posted some pictures and it looks pretty brutal. So you know I could see them getting beat earlier, but I'm going to go with them. And the, I've been going back and forth, but I will go with Arizona making the Final Four. Um, and then I just think, you know, on that bottom side with the Midwest, um, it's so tough. I have a game of Kansas and Wisconsin. 
And, you know, I'm not high real. I mean, I like Kansas. I'm high on them, but I'm not, I don't love that Kansas team. I don't think it's one of their better teams, but I do like their path. I think Iowa could give them a tough time. Keegan Murray's one of the best players in the country. Uh, they have Bohannon, Jordan Bohannon. They're very experienced, um, really good passing team, share the ball well. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I'm struggling with this one. I kind of want to lean towards Wisconsin. Um, if Johnny Davis can play like he did most of the year and he's healthy, I, I just see them moving on um, and being able to, to make the Final Four. And then I go with Kentucky uh, beating Texas Tech. That'll be a great game. I mean, any team that Texas Tech plays, you know they're going to be in that game. They're not going to go down easy. Um, they're going to give themselves a chance to win. But I think Kentucky makes it against Arizona. And then I think John Calipari finishes it off in, in an amazing fashion with uh, potentially the player of the year, Oscar Schwebe, Ty Ty Washington. Uh, Kellen Grady's going to have to be hitting shots. They got Severe Wheeler, the quick point guard. I've loved this team all year. Um, they've come a long way, and I know they lost in the SEC tournament, but uh, I just like their pieces. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to do it. I've been saying that for a little while now, so I'm going to stick with it. So I'm going with Kentucky, uh, cutting down the nets in April. So those are some of my, uh, some of the feedback on the bracket here. We'll see what happens if Duke and UNC can, can get by those first couple rounds. Uh, definitely not going to be easy, but uh, they got a chance, and that's all you can ask for, to be in the tournament and have a chance at it, a fighting chance. So um, we'll see what happens, and then I'll come back on here and kind of go through the rest of the tournament um, as it gets down to the Sweet 16 and go through some of the matchups a little bit more in depth. Uh, but um, should be interesting, and, and uh, it'll be some wild days here coming up.